1: of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Tim Cox. He's a nonprofit and ministry tech consultant. Tim, thanks for being on the show.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your work uh, with nonprofits and ministries and and maybe share uh, what you're particularly excited about currently with, with what God is doing through the work that you guys are doing.
0: Yeah. So I, um, I consult with pastors and nonprofits and uh, foundations on uh, how to present themselves on the web, but just in general, we're just talking about uh, I I typically like to just lump everything together and not segment um, onto platforms. And I'm, I'm excited because no one's an expert right now. No one's Mm -hmm. an expert. In anything, if you're an expert in something, you're not an expert in something else that you need to be an expert in. So that we're, we've entered a time of like really, really great learning and, and humility, I think. And if not, if, if, if you're not in that moment, you got to check yourself. You got to get there. Uh, and so that's, that's what I'm seeing is a lot of, um, asking a lot of questions. And then I love the cross pollination of just, uh, people talking to other people in different, different, uh, environments. So, um, so I love this, uh, this globalization that's happening. Um, sometimes it's a bad word, but I love the actual sharing of ideas, especially as we, as we have this global pandemic is like, Hey, what are you doing?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, cause it, that's coming my way. So I actually need to know what you're doing. So, so, and, and everybody's on the video, right? Everybody's on, on, online and able to talk to each other and you can have guest speakers from anywhere now and people yeah. are doing it and people are paying attention because what else are they going to do? Right. Right. Where else are they going to go? They, they again. Right. So, so I love this cross pollination. I love that uh, no one's an expert, and um, and people are into creative new ways to do things because uh, what they were doing isn't working. So um, that's my that, that's what I'm jazzed about right now.
1: Awesome. Now, for our listeners, just to give some context to the conversation, can you share a little bit, uh, maybe a quick summary of your. Uh, background and experience?
0: Sure. Yeah, I got my start as a, uh, I thought I was going to do church music. So I, I went to school, Palm Beach Atlantic University, go sail fish. You wish you were a fish. <laughs> um, I did music and um, the churches I would do music for were very small, like s- church plants that couldn't pay me. So I got a job in college recruiting and no one would answer my phone calls or emails. So I went on MySpace at the time. And, uh, I I realized, and people would, and students would respond instantly. Like I would just like, I would basically be chatting in my space messages. I don't even know if they had a chat function and I was getting like students to apply and like go to the school. And so to keep them talking to me, I would create content with my little laptop. Um, you know, it was the first white plastic macbook I, I don't even know i forgot what it was called powerbook or something and had a camera on it and i used that with toys on my desk to make content and i saw how well that worked and and it turned into a career so i went from college recruiting to then doing that specifically for uh, christian colleges and universities doing marketing for them on the web i did like a second life college college fair like that's how deep into it i got I was like in the virtual world we only had one student who showed up um and then and then that worked into oh i'm gonna help chick-fil-a in los angeles like do social media in a low awareness market for them and uh we're in la habra california thomas Pertel, shout out uh he he invested in his facebook page and we blew up his business because we used we used social media to generate sales and and they rocked it. Uh and that turned into consulting with Chick-fil-A for like how do you do social media for the whole chain across restaurants. And then my wife and I moved to New York City um from Los Angeles. So we went from South Florida, Los Angeles, New York City. Um and we had no jobs. We had nothing. We just came here and it was a bad decision all around, but I'm glad we made it. And I started working at Nyack College doing um their Facebook, like their marketing for the school, but primarily digital and showed how we could actually get registered students through Facebook ads. Like I tied the money I spent to ads to, we have like, you know, we, we have students here at the school now paying tuition because we spend a little money on Facebook ads. So, um, that's been my history. I, I I've also worked at uh, redeemer city of city, which is a church planning organization. I did marketing and communications for them for nine years. And now I'm doing consulting, uh, on my own. And, uh, and I've been able to help church plants all the way through, uh, which was my passion, was just really small churches, uh, just groups of people getting together, the original social networking, uh, and then and helping actually use social ne- networking to grow those church plants and ministries. So that's just kind of the, the flow of how I've gone. Uh, primarily, all, all of that's been digital. Although at city to city, we did a lot of fundraising where I would need to print things and actually get experience in in doing print media, and that actually became the focus of like we we put a lot of energy into a quarterly magazine um, and then that became a lot of uh, places where we could get content for video or get content from interviews for social that sort of thing, so uh, mm. we were able to chop those up and, and have a whole calendar of of content to put out
1: okay, cool, so then with that experience. Uh, building and leading small groups and, and teams across the globe. You offline, you talked about um, building global communications teams. Can you walk us through that journey that, that you guys were on at, at Redeemer City to City, building those global communications teams?
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, and, and this, this actually ties to a, a very present day lesson that I'm learning. I think we're all learning is that contextual, contextualization um, actually tailoring a message to an audience, a specific uh, audience can, you can do it infinitely. There is infinite contextualization you can do. So we, we, um, we tend to flatten things and we tend to, um, uh, you know, make it really easy and like, this is our audience. And like, I'm just gonna, I, of course I know our audience, this is what I think they're going to like and tailoring a message to them, but, but managing a global brand, um, uh, there's just so many intricacies. There's so many different audiences. There's so many different messages. So, uh, that's, that's, I, so what I, what I do is, uh, as, as we were doing this global brand is I simplify it in, in my head into a couple things. Um, one, I just think about what's the vision. What are we trying to, what do we want to see happen? Um, and then uh, I think about who needs to be there to make that happen. Who do we want to talk to? And there's a lot of different audiences. So I, I list those, like who are, who are those people? What do we need to say to each of those audiences uh, to accomplish that vision? To go back and get in, in, mobilize them to accomplish that mission. What are they saying back? This is kind of like a sub point. Is like, what do we need to say to them? What are they saying back? And then where should we say it? What are those platforms? Um, and then and then did it work? So right. Mm. So vision, audiences, message it could also be discussion, you know, like the, the two-way communication, um, platforms, where is it happening? And then, um, and then measuring it, did it work? And, and then the, the question is, um, great. We only have a hundred dollars. We only have a a person with three hours a week, prioritize those audiences, then be like, okay, then we're only going to do one audience, one platform and one message. And that's what we're going to do. And if we can expand it, then we're going to go, okay, here's our secondary. Um, I have ADD and this is a very helpful life management tool is prioritization, Write Everything that's stressing Uh you out out, down, Write All the things that you want to say down and then prioritize them and just start with number one. And if you can get to, if you can do that, do number two. So I think that's, that's at least like a global brand, um, uh, you know, looking, talking to everybody around the world and be like, okay, who's our main, uh, audiences for us in in New York City at the global organization we were really focused on donors and so donors were our primary audience whereas every other every other ministry around the world as city to city fill in the blank you know those they were focused on recruiting ch- ministers to care and to actually like want to work together and want to see church planning happen in their city and so the message is different and so city to city Europe or cities these different Europe the different regions uh, would tailor the message that way now its just all needed to look the similar we needed to look similar so we had our fonts and colors and we had like you know we wanted to show pictures of people rather than like just sterile buildings we want to show humanity in a city but as it expresses itself in india or as it exposes or expresses itself in in um you know japan it's going to look different
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's going to sound different and even like drill down into neighborhood by neighborhood it's going to look and sound different that's fine as long as you keep the the foundational brand standards, you know?
1: Yeah. Uh, so you had an umbrella m- message for the primary brand and then within each different context, y- there was specificity within that context.
0: That's right. That's right. That's good. Now, how, how do you guys,
1: how do different cultural contexts uh, affect the development of your global communications? Do you find that there are, Uh, more consistencies across cultures in the digital space or more differences. Cause I think with digital, it's easy to just say, Oh, we're just going to do the same thing on all platforms and in all contexts. And it's just going to work because that's what everybody does on, on digital.
0: Right. Yeah. And to, to, to like certain extent, That's true. I mean, and this is kind of where I feel like a lot of nonprofits are operating is in the just check the boxes. Like, tell me how many emails I need to send a year. Mm -hmm. Tell me how many social posts I should do to be like, I got my, I did my job. And so I I understand that my, my thing is like, actually, I think you should only post stuff when you have good stuff and develop Mm. process, like really engaging capturing s- stuff and not just like checking a box, but uh, obviously it's finding the balance between the two, right? So there you're going to need to send like an end of your message if you're a nonprofit. Um, so then like, what systems can you put in place to actually get, The good stuff, like get the, and it's not. Yeah. So, so this is very, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, jab, 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 right hook, you know, Uh, right? it's always just kind of right hooks, which then just turn it. If everything's special, nothing is right. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's the thing is what's that really good juicy, like you have to pay attention to this content. And I feel like a lot of nonprofits don't feel like they have that. A lot of that might be like an echo chamber that you work, that you work in and you just, nothing is exciting to you. And so actually talking to your, um, audiences actually interacting with the people that you're, that you're working with and to accomplish this vision is helpful. Your question is though, um, how do you accomplish this at a global level? Like, like, how specific do you need to get, um, I think everybody's got their own cultural lens, um, and I tended to being a uh, tall white man in, in the United States of America. Think that I didn't I didn't even think I had a culture, right? I didn't even think that I had like a, any sort of um, lens. I just thought I was I was I was the normal like American typical, you know, and, and, and and especially now I know I am not. And I know that that's so, so I think becoming aware of your own cultural lens is key in this whole thing is like, um, I, I have a lot of conversations where people are like, well, that doesn't engage me. That's not going to work. I don't like that. And it's like, great, but you're not the, you're not the audience. You're not the primary audience for this. Mm -hmm. So my, my question, the, the, the opinion I care about is our primary audience. What do they care about that? So one, it's learning, like, I'm probably going to like a certain thing. I love pinball. I love really snobby coffee. I love, you know, there's, there's. There's things that I like that I have. I like cats. I have a lot of cats. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jive with certain phrases and and things that my target audience generally will not. And so, being aware of your own cultural lens, and then being aware of your target audience's cultural lens, and then in trying to develop that and grow that picture and learn more about it, your your communications become far more effective. Especially if you have empathy, if you're able to just be like, okay, well, I know this is my tendency, and I know that this this has typically worked in the past and thinking about well how does this make this person feel so you can do that like I said all the way down infinite like you can get more and more empathetic um, and, and just learning about your environment so Uh, all that to say is that the global context is very, very specific and contextual the more specific you get and the more, uh, the more effective your message, uh, the more interaction you'll have, the more effective your impact will be. It's just finding like, just doing the work and being like, okay, this is, this is enough. This is enough research. This is enough contextualization right now. Um, knowing that also you're doing this over time. So you're going to learn more and more. You don't have to do all of the research right now. Um, You can at least, I think, any effort right now, especially that it's just all noise. Everybody's publishing content. Everybody's putting out as much as they possibly can right now because everybody's online. And so, anything you can do to make your your message stand out, and I think empathy is the big thing there, is like knowing whose eyeballs you really want, whose attention you really need, and tailoring stuff and being like, hey, I know you. I know you, this is for you. You're going to like this. I think that's huge. Um, and that'll, that's one way to cut through the noise. So you got to do that at a, at a very neighborhood level while keeping that global consistency. And ideally if you can keep your global brand standards as, 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 as simple and as easy to follow as possible and not too stringent, um, you know, you, you can, you can say, this is what our, this is what our voice needs to be, but tone could be you know, more contextual or something or vice versa. Yeah. No, I mean,
1: just hearing that, I think a lot of ministries are going to hear that and and think, man, that's overwhelming (laughs) and daunting. Like to go into that crazy detail in my audience research and, and then figure out consistent content output that is high value for, for the, for that audience that I've researched. Um, that's a lot for a lot of ministries who are already probably not doing any of it at all. So what are some few tips that you can share that might provide guidance for churches and parachurch organizations and ministries as, as they think about digital communications? Um, What, what are some things that they can do to simplify that process and just get a good start uh, and then work towards some of the more detailed stuff that you just outlined?
0: Yeah. So, so do the whole vision message uh sorry vision audience message platforms uh impact thing like just kind of map that out those things and mm-hmm. then prioritize but really you need to stop doing a lot of stuff the, <laughs> the, the 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 tendency for small nonprofits is to do all the things yeah and um and not measure any of it and just pray and hope that it's going to be fruitful which it will yeah but there also are some there's some really th- really great things to be like hey is this effective or not um i would take a like look at the big what are the big chunks Um, and and this is a strategy I use is like, what is the stuff that takes all of our time and is it worth doing? So for us, uh, when when we were doing this, it's called a snapshot, you know, not that much of a creative name, but it was a magazine. It was like, I was like, this really matters. And it takes a lot of time. And we do it a couple of times. We did it four times a year. So let's, let's put more effort into it. Let's do it two times a year and let's, uh, and then let's use it for other stuff too. So, so there's the thing of like reducing the things that you're doing to only, only the stuff that really matters or the stuff that you have to do. And then it's maximizing the stuff that time spent. What else can we use it for? How else can we, how else can we, um, promote this? Um, uh, you know, everybody for everybody's got ADD now. Right. like, I, I don't remember things. I looked in my news newsfeed feed an hour ago. Like right. I don't remember any of the stuff I just saw. I'm just, right. So you can reuse stuff now. That's great. Um, and if, if you're putting tons of effort into that one, if you're putting tons of effort into that one key piece, um, you know, it's going to be more tailored to your audience. You put a lot of effort into that, right. Then that's going to help when you're posting on social or other things. So, um, yeah, I guess minimize the thing you're doing, reusing the stuff that you're already doing and then really prioritizing your audience. Like who, who really do you need to, do you need to interact with uh, Mm. to accomplish that vision? Who's that primary audience? And then you can focus on other audiences if you've got spare time, but guess what? You're probably not going to have spare time.
1: (laughs) I think that that is really good advice to, to take a look at what you're currently doing right now. Say, okay, is this effective? Is this working? Or are we, are we doing it because we're just supposed to do it? Everybody else does it. This is what all nonprofits do. So what That's all right. ministries do, uh, like take a look at it and, and see, is this relevant for m- our ministry's context and, and the space that we are in or not? And if it's not, it's okay to not do what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Um, I think COVID has revealed or exposed uh, an opportunity for the church to operate in a digital landscape a lot more effectively, right? So, so God has been working in this mess and in this brokenness, in this, in this broken situation. Um, That's pretty clear now. What are some things that you've noticed around digital discipleship that might guide the church and provide opportunities as we uh, maybe move out of COVID? I mean, we keep saying that we're going to get past and go back to normal, but I don't know if that's going to be our reality. So how, what do what are some things that we can do to um, be better with digital discipleship and, and how can the church grow in that space?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm a contrarian. So I'm going to see what everyone else is doing and then I'm not going to want to do that. <laughs> so <laughs> it's 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 really frustrating to me on so many levels. Like, why can't I just like Dave Matthews band? <laughs> why can't I just, <laughs> why do I have to go so, oh, I've, it, but really, I mean, I, if I see something once that I really like, I'm like, that's really awesome. If I see it twice, I'm like, that's a trend. And by three times, the third time I see it, I'm like, okay, it's over. Like I can't ever wear Crocs again or something. (laughs) So, so the same thing, like if all churches, like felt this pressure in my opinion, and in the, you know, in the, in my newsfeed, um, the, the cultural, you know, the, the churches that I'm seeing. Uh, in New York City, specifically, went live, and or 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 they had to like on on Facebook. I just see all these live messages, and it's probably all pre recorded or whatever. But there was pressure to do a thing. There was a pre- there was like this pressure to get views, um, and and so at my church, we did this really cool thing that I loved that we kind of backed into, which was uh, we did a Zoom with like small groups. It was like a small group Zoom. And we would do a church service and then we would play the message from the pastor in that. I loved it so much. And we started seeing like visitors come. My wife met a woman in the park and this woman in the park, like started texting her and was just like, Hey, um, you know, can I come to church with you? And so she, she started coming to online church with us in this weirdo zoom meeting, um, with like 20 people. And it was like this beautiful thing that our church just kind of backed into. But, um, but more and more it just was like, "Oh, but we're not putting our our services on Facebook and YouTube. uh we need to get those views, right? We need to get out there, so I think our church actually is is so we started live streaming and moving away from that and doing like a coffee hour after service where where it was in zoom-huh but I really think I really believe, and this is i I'm fully digital, like I'm bleeding edge tech person. I download all the apps, I try them all out um and I think that face to face you can never replace. And so I believe, af- as we've seen in this COVID thing, nothing is more powerful than a phone tree. Just a simple spreadsheet of every person that's gone through your church's doors um, or every person that's been connected to your church in some way, shape, or form and making sure they're being checked up on, that's huge. That is huge. That is like the, the killer app of church right now is the phone tree, is checking up on one another. And the, the next thing is, is if you have a job, Um, you're, you might be doing a lot of zoom meetings, uh, if, if that's what you're doing is going to meetings and you're sick of zoom. And, uh, and so like one of the best things in my week is I do house party, the app, just because it's not zoom. And I meet with three other guys, uh, on Tuesdays and then some other guys on what on Thursdays and we pray together and it's a small group. It's like, so I'm, so my thing for the church, I really would love to see the church go smaller and almost like pyramid scheme it right, so the pastor not not isn't isn't the um message giver the pastor the teaching pastor or the pastoral staff can be like the direction like they're guiding the direction of the church, but train your leaders, mentor them you know like if each pastor had like five to 10 people they were meeting with monthly. And that was the main focus of their job is discipleship and like, and like, Hey, how can I support you? And those people had their 10 people. So basically I'm saying pyramids and, and phone pyramid schemes and phone trees are the future of the church, especially (laughs) if we all have to go back on lockdown, right? (laughs) So, so yeah, essential oils got it right. Let's, let's go back to that. It's just like train your leaders and like empower them. And the other beautiful thing is when we can meet, you have all these church plant potentials, right? You have these, these leaders of small groups, group people of, so, so I do think you need like the one-on-one interaction. I would prioritize that. I would secondarily uh, prioritize for groups of four to, To 10 people. And then third, and I wouldn't go above this is like 25 people, you know, like in a zoom, 25 cameras. And I have a pastor friend in Pretoria, South Africa, who says, yeah, but Tim, I understand. And what you say sounds good. And I like that. But in the southern heavens, in the southern hemisphere, we need the party. We need the big group gatherings. You just can't get rid of that. Um, and I totally agree. But I'm like, yeah, but you can have those like once a month. I don't know. I don't know. So, so I'm just trying to figure out that when we can all get back together in a group of 50, you know, or I, I, I'm in New York city. So there's, we can't get over 10, uh, for, for the next year probably. Um, but that's, that's what I think is the future is, is we're more and more seeing like, Hey, we've tried to scale this church churches is like good church is not scalable. That's, that's kind of, and I'm the tech guy, right? So how do we, how do we, how do we uh, not scale church, but still see it grow? And I think the house church movement that we're seeing in China um, and there, there are house church movements in the United States uh, in North America that we can learn from at this moment. Well, and you said something that I, th- I think is really important that face t- we can
1: never replace face to face in discipleship. And, and as we move out of COVID and we, we, move back to, you know, quote unquote normal, whatever that is going to look like. Um, Yes. Face-to-face absolutely is so important for, for like true discipleship. Right. Yeah. But I I think there's a lot of opportunity and we're seeing this amidst COVID like that story you just told of your wife meeting that lady in the park and inviting Mm -hmm. her into your that digital group there's a lot of opportunity for digital discipleship for that first interaction where people maybe are not comfortable coming to a small group just being invited off off the cuff and first meeting with someone you've met in the park like but they're they're more likely to and statistically we're seeing this like people are more likely to engage online with those first interactions because that's what they're used to. That's where audience attention is. We're used to being on our phones. We're used to right. that that's type right. of stuff. And so I think there's a, a big opportunity, COVID aside, I yeah. think there's a huge opportunity for the church to engage in digital discipleship for that first interaction or, or first couple interactions with an individual as you lead towards and move towards a more face to face like one on one or small group type of discipleship setting uh, and so i don't know what that looks like but but let i, I mean me there's hear- a lot of opportunity for the church to function well in that space and and start moving in that direction
0: Okay, this is interesting. So you're saying that that digital like the live stream, the why, the top of the funnel like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram live, like that's the place where the visitors, you know, the first time interactions might come. I think so. I think so yeah, because yeah. I
1: mean we're uh we do some work with Crew. Mm-hmm. They're they they have a big online presence. They're getting more interaction online. People saying yes to, you know, Yes to Jesus with a click of a button, which sounds so right. weird, com- just coming out of my mouth. No, it's I, like, get ah,
0: that, no, I get it. that feels weird. There's something
1: <laughs> I don't know, but but I think there's something to be said about like online engagement because that's what people are used to. That yeah. leads yeah. to a more face to face discipleship interact a norm a quote unquote normal face to face discipleship interaction, and so. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah call it top of funnel whatever you know if we want yeah, to use know, business I terms that's great <laughs> I, uh, I i tend to do that too but um yeah like i think there's opportunity for the church to use digital uh as a entry point that yeah. isn't so intrusive it's not so uh right like it's just uncomfortable to be one invited to someone's house you just met but second to be invited with a bunch of Christians that you don't have any idea, you know, you've never met that. It just is, can be, can be uh, daunting, I think. I mean, no. Yeah,
0: I, I think so. So in this might be the way I'm wired. Um, I used to think I wasn't evangelistic. I used to because I've, I've never really landed the plane and r- prayed the prayer with someone. Mm-hmm. But I I am. I But but I've learned more and more about evangelism. And I feel like I'm the gateway drug to evangelism. <laughs> so I'm like, the, I'm always like the first conversation. So I have these people in my life that I just think about. And God, like as I'm praying or whatever, God will bring them up into my mind and then i'll i will text them immediately and the text that i've i've the my my go to text is how you holding an up and a lot of these a lot of these people aren't christian and and so like talking to them and it's just them just the, as they came up can naturally lead into uh, oh hey well you know i would love to hey we got a group on sunday you can pop in pop out keep your camera off it's fine in the zoom thing so so for me i would say I'm, I'm just going through the phone tree in my mind of people that like, you know, bartenders or my barber or other people that I just like talk to when I run, when I used to run routes in my life yeah. and, um, and, and I would purposely continue to run routes and get to know people. And then if I get their phone number or I'll find them on Facebook and message them, how are you holding up And that? So that's, it's interesting. So that's my, that's my attempt right now is like how to invite people to church, uh, is just, is doing the phone tree and as they pop up. So
1: that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, text is just as digital as anything else. So that's That's right. Um, now, now back to like churches, ministries doing things because, you know, quote unquote, that's what everybody else does. Um, how would, how would you encourage the ministry space as a whole to move away from like a broadcast mentality and move towards like an audience centered on the audience centric engagement mentality in the digital space because i think i think what we see a lot with with the church ministry space is that we're just broadcasting because that's what we're used to from you know the last right. handful of decades yeah. with the broadcast yeah. era um yeah. how digital requires so much more engagement to be effective how can how can the church yeah. shift a little bit to be more engaging rather than just pushing, you know, there's a plenty of churches that you, we talked about content output. Like there's plenty of organizations yeah. that are pumping out content like crazy.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's just broadcasting a message and and not, there's That's maybe right. very little engagement. So what is, what, what would be some encouragements in that space?
0: Yeah. I think, I think uh, we're already seeing this, this um, and, and again, I'm I'm coming from a New York City, uh, we're all still s- shell-shocked from COVID and like being on lockdown. And we're so scared the numbers are going to spike again, as they are in other places around the country. Um, so I'm coming at it from, I, we're not, we're not going to have, we're not going to be able to gather 10 or m- more uh, indoors anytime soon. Uh, and maybe we will. But I, I like the thought, it, So so we are getting tired. I'm getting tired of online. And so I'm I it's like what are the little bits and pieces that I can do a social distance and gathering? Uh so my men's group prayer thing, it's three other three other men, we'll gather, we'll go to the park and we'll just sit in the park and drink our coffee six feet away from each other with masks on mm-hmm. and we'll pray. We'll do that. So it's just like what are the little bits. In pieces of face to face that you can do, um, or or how can you like? So so our church also meets in a middle school, and we're not going to be able to access middle schools for another year. So we don't have a space. Uh, we have a church office, and that's it. And so I've asked our pastoral staff as a, as a small group deacon. I'm like, hey, can we get? office space or like a lot of these apartment buildings have lobbies in or um, uh, theater spaces in them where we can gather 10 people when the weather gets inclement, when it's like, it's super hot or like it's raining or it's, you know, winter where we can gather people inside 10 or less. What's maybe looking at church instead of like, it's the church scattered right now. And what are the in-person gatherings that we can And, uh, you know, because we don't have a building, how can we do that? So I think that the church has to get on shorter review cycles and look at what, I mean, we just got to look at what you're doing and, 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 uh, how it's changed. Our views have gone down. That's, that's just the the case. Now it's summer, more people could be on vacation or something, but fewer and fewer people right now are, are joining in on the live stream or going to the coffee hour after church. Um, what could we do about that? What can we do to like implement that? So just, or to, to shore that up a little bit. And there could be some things where, um, in person, socially distant could help, but smaller. Um, and I feel if you're seeing this, like with drive through communions, there's a lot of these <laughs> people are trying stuff and it's kind of cheesy, but whatever, just try stuff. Yeah. But I do think like anytime you can make people feel safe, but they can be in person together in smaller groups. Um, that's huge. That's, 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 and, and then technology can supplement that. Um, and I think the leadership development is key. It's just, how can you pour into your leaders, the people that are doing it, the people that are like, Hey, let's meet in the park. Who are your movers and shakers right now that are like, you know, how can you make them not tire out very fast? You know, how can you, how can you support them? How can you give them things to talk about? One other thought, um, that we, I had is, um, I think now is a good time for repentance for the church. And especially because as we're going to smaller and smaller groups, it's easier to repent it's easy to actually come c- confront your sin and turn from it and, and be, and there's something that revivals are started on repentance. Right. Um, and so it's very hard to do that on a live stream. If you're a pastor in front of 10,000 people to be like, Hey, let me just repent about, but like having Christians repent of things and turning from sin is like so powerful. And we we're I'm starting to see that in my own small groups and stuff where it's like, Hey, it used to be 10 people. Now we're three or four people. And now let's talk about that real good stuff. Let's like actually <laughs> get down and deep. And and seriously, my my prayer my prayer group on Tuesday they just stopped. We did We only talked about me, and we they just focused. They're like, hey, and it was just so beautiful because they were they served me in that way where they're like, hey, Tim, you obviously need to rest. Let's talk about that. <laughs> You're not resting, bro. Let's talk about how you can rest. And I, because it's a smaller group, we were able to do that, and it was yeah. a beautiful thing. And I was ministered to, so.
1: Yeah, that's so good. I, I think that there's something to be said about those smaller groups where, where it can get a lot more intimate and, and you can talk about things that you may not be comfortable talking about in a, in a larger group setting. So that's awesome.
0: Um, I mean, and, and with trauma and I mean, people are going through it that we are, you know, we're in a time I, I had to stop reading science fiction for a while because we are in science fiction. Right. Uh, We, we just don't, what do you do? Like, what do you do? <laughs> so, so it's so beautiful that we we can gather in smaller groups and talk about this stuff, and that, and, and as long as we can get off of the, dig, you know, digital can facilitate that, but also digital can distract from it, and it's yeah. going to get more and more uh, polarized, and it's going to get more and more notifications and things popping up. So,
1: but yeah, I can. I mean, it can be a it definitely a dan- a dangerous space to operate in. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, yeah. we have to take a lot of care when when playing around with digital, but I do think there's, there's opportunity to be successful for, with, within that space for the church. Um, Let's shift a little bit offline. You shared a, a, another topic that was of interest and that is uh, your passion for lay leaders during church social distancing. Can you share what you mean by that?
0: Yeah, I, I, um, I firmly believe in the priesthood of all believers. I think that's the power of uh the church is empowering lay leaders and um I also I also know that the 80/20 rule, right? Like 20 percent of your leaders are doing the, you know the bulk of the work and mm-hmm. so they can get burnout. out. Um so I think leadership development is the play right now. So if you have phone trees, if you have pyramid schemes, (laughs) uh, you you need to, if you want to work on your downline to get to diamond level, uh, you need (laughs) to, you need to really invest in your, in your people and your team. And uh, I know in my church and in in just kind of the volunteer spaces that I'm in, you get these rock star volunteers that do all the stuff. And uh, and then you give them space to like recover sometimes and recharge, but they're always they're doing it right. And you'll even see this with prayer groups, right? Prayer groups are generally, in my experience, very small, and they pray the roof off the thing if you have a roof to pray off of, right? There, there's there these this mentality of smaller people, smaller groups of people doing most of the work. Um, so if you can identify those people and and just even. Give them an audience. Like if I, if, if I was being, if I was talked, if I was had a discussion or if I was able to hang out with pastoral staff regularly at my church, uh, you know, once a month, twice, a, twice a month, uh, and just talk about stuff and them suggest and pray for me, um, that does so much. It does so much to spur on me as a leader to continue and then also sometimes giving this is weird but giving leaders more responsibility especially those 20% invigorates them i was uh, the the welcome desk person at the brooklyn public library and i just was, my job was to tell people where the bathroom was And I did this for a year and a half. And then they're like, hey, Tim, could you think about doing some tour, leading some tours of the library? And I was like, ah, I got promoted. I am awesome. (laughs) I just was, I was just one little thing, which is more work for me. Counterintuitively, it actually gave me way more. It energized me way more because like, oh, now I get to like be the authority on the library. Or so the same thing is like there, there might be like, what if one of your lay leaders gave a sermon. Oh, what if, you know, th- there are these things of just mm-hmm. like sometimes at giving more and more responsibility, um, uh, empowers your lay leaders to do, to do more. So that's, I think this is a perfect time to do that. Now, granted, uh, there, there needs to be support there. You can't just be like, great, take it and run with it. Um, right. there has to be actual like contact, but that's great. It's again, it's all priority. It's all prioritization. It's, uh, maybe, uh, you know, focus, like make the sermons 10, 15 minutes, which some, some people would say actually takes more work. Got it. But what can you do? What can you shrink? What, what, uh, what can you focus on more of? And hopefully that's like empowering your lay leaders in some way, shape or form and supporting them. And, um, and then also like, adding to f- identifying more people like sometimes sometimes like this is another thing. If somebody came up to me in church was like, Hey, could you do this? I'd feel so awesome. Cause somebody just thought it was good enough to like reach out to me and, and ask me to do something. Yeah. A lot of people are just waiting to be asked um, and, and given a thing to do rather than blanket. This is the other thing. Don't do blanket. This is, Blanket calls for volunteers. Like in my experience, they never work. But when I go up to somebody, I was like, I think you'd really be good at this. That it's, it's, boom, you know, I would say like 50, 50 shot. That person's going to do something. Whereas a mass email is going to get me one volunteer or something. Yeah. You well, know? I mean,
1: just the flattery of it. What? You yeah. And I'm
0: not saying like, yeah, don't lie to people. Like right, actually right. if you think that they would be good, <laughs> but encouragement is so good. Like, Hey, you've really good at, you have a really good speaking voice. Yeah. Would you think, or you know, or whatever that is.
1: Yeah. Now, do you feel that, um, do you feel that this pandemic has exposed that and maybe this was already exposed but that western view of discipleship in that generally we look to the pulpit to handle discipleship and you, you touched on that 2080 rule um yeah do you th- feel that this covid stuff has exposed that Were we already exposed in that space like what how can we yeah. how can we shift in in mindset around that as the church big C church or yeah. the western church really.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was at a I was at a um uh, protest a couple of weeks ago in Brooklyn led by a church, led by multiple churches uh in Bed-Stuy. And uh and I was we started uh the pastor started reading uh scripture and people next to me were we're just reciting it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know this. And so I was. So this is all that to say is, like, the Western Church, but like the Black Church and their biblicism. Like, just I was like, oh my gosh, I'm out. So so anyway, I don't I don't know about uh, the what was the question again? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> <I> <laughs> cut off on that. Do you, do you feel oh, that? Oh, I got it.
1: The pandemic has exposed that uh, Western view of discipleship, and that generally the pulpit handles discipleship
0: yeah yeah so all that to say was was that i think that there are there is some really great discipleship going on um i i think i think um this, yeah the sermon heavy if, if you know if your podcast is filled with preachers and that sort of thing i do think there's a pridefulness in it um that uh that, that uh, I've experienced in my own life that, uh, I can only learn from people that I think are spiritual, spiritually superior to me, which means that I'm only going to listen to pastors. And if the, they're going to be pastors that are like rock stars, right. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where that's just not, I mean, um, it depends on your tradition. And uh, I, I like triangles. I like triperspectivalism. I like thinking about the three points of like normative, experiential and situational, like head, heart, hands. And I grew up in a very heady thing. Like that's what discipleship was to me. It was like read books and yeah. like talk about it. It was that all that normative stuff and situational. I would do once a year to go travel somewhere that I've never been before on a mission trip. Mm. And then, and then experiential, was like manipulative, like hey, if you get a little too like whoopy and hollery and worship, you are what are you trying to do? Are you trying to be more spiritual right? so I think that um, sermon heavy stuff, leader pastoral heavy stuff is probably is going to be more in that normative area and uh, and you need all three in discipleship. you need all three of those different um, experiences and so yes, I think I think there's a way. I think it's going I think the, the churches who focus on that are forced now and they will be forced in the future, especially with globalization, especially with pandemics more and more, especially with uh, you know, apparently we're in um what is it? Not judge dread, whatever that demolition man you know (laughs) uh it's like taco bell's the only restaurant everybody doesn't touch him you know we're kind of getting into this like new world where yeah you gotta so so i think that other traditions other other things we can learn from but i do like thinking about that in that in that pyramid um of the head heart hands and discipleship needs to be in all three yeah yeah and and you got to be face to face for that situational stuff and that experiential stuff so
1: right all right i've I find that true of myself. Like I, you know, I have a couple pastors that I really love listening to and that's where I spend most of my time is yeah, listening to Keller and Chandler and that's about it. And you know, <laughs> <laughs> they, those are great guys and they I love everything that they say, but that can be dangerous for me personally.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm, so, I'm right there with you, right there with you.
1: So how, how can we, on that same within that same vein how can we reinforce and expand on this shift in discipleship mentality like uh, what are some mm-hmm. ways what are some ways the church can can move out of covid you know uh, assuming yeah. that we do one day with that yeah, shift right. in around discipleship and not just go back to normal like i think there yeah. are some good things that the lord has revealed in this mess um that we can learn from how how do we how do how can the church take those things okay we're, we learn this now let's apply it coming out of this
0: yeah uh, a couple themes that that came out in this conversation one i think that repentance is huge mm. um and so turning from um the way that we thought was the right way but is not so let's say it let's actually call it out let's speak it out and then move from that so whatever that is, I mean, there's there's tons of idolatry in our lives, um, but especially in with how we do church. Um, Sunday service was the was the thing, and yeah. uh, and and Christianity and the church is not that. So we repent of that. We you know, uh, so repentance is huge. I think that um, I do I do you know face to face the 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 in, intrapersonal relationships. Um, are so huge. And so I really think we need to be friends with people that we weren't friends with before. Hmm. Um, I've, I've noticed in my own life my tendency to, for comfort and for, um, my tendency to go to the things that I like and that I, um, that are safe and comfortable for me right? So I run those routes and I go to those things. And, um, it's, it's not that the other things I don't think are safe or that they're, it's just, they're uncomfortable, right? It takes effort Mm -hmm. and I don't feel like an expert and I'm a noob in those situations. Uh, and that's also why I have a certain, my friends look a certain way and my music is a certain way. Mm -hmm. So I think that, uh, repentance is one thing tied with repentance is, um, is, uh, Diversity, like actually going out and making new friends and being being in different situations and helping in other ways, rather than the normal routes you run. Um, listening to other voices, reading other books, like going outside of your main go-to, uh, and and that goes back to the lear- learning about your own cultural lens and then learning about other people's cultural lenses. I think you need to do both we've act, I've personally ignored both. I've not I've I've been like my cultural lens is normal everybody else's is weird and so <laughs> and so I'm just going to go with the the cool stuff that I like, right? Yeah. But it's like oh no, no 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 I'm very much this way. And I've I mean, personally, I've benefited from being that way and milking that, although I don't do, I don't think about it, but I do. I'm a tall guy. That's like, ah, everybody, you know, and I can wave my arm and people pay attention to me. Right. So i benefited <laughs> from that. So, Hey, how about I look at that and see how that makes other people feel. Mm-hmm. And then, and then like, how do I ma- maneuver there? So, so I think the repentance, I think the, um, Uh, knowing your cultural lens, knowing other people's cultural lenses, and then actually like, like taking a step out of comfort, uh, is huge. And I need a third point, Zachary. I need one, but I don't think I have one. So those are my two.
1: you like triangles? triangles.
0: Yeah. Triangles. (laughs) Oh, okay. All right. Here's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. And this is your, is, is, um, is, um, change. So, so, or pivot right? And this is like startup stuff is a lot of churches will look at others. I mean, ministries or whatever, Hey, what are best practices? Mm. And so I, I would say, um, it, it, and and that goes into expert culture. Everybody wants to be right. Everybody wants to be do the right thing. And this is easier for smaller churches to do because they don't have like pay. They don't have those payrolls and they don't have the staffs. So they can pivot. But I think even now, bigger churches might need to shrink. We you, you might need there might need to be uncomfortable changes, but there have to be pivots to be made if you want to see if you want to see fruit, ministry fruit. Like mm-hmm. you just got You got to do that. So there you go. Repent. That's- you know, diversify um, your your life, uh, and then um, pivot. Pivot,
1: be nimble. That's good.
0: Yeah. Now, w- within that same,
1: uh, within that same vein, what are some tools that uh, you like, or you would encourage organizations to look into? Back to this, like content production output type stuff. Uh, what are some What are some tools that you think would provide value to our listeners?
0: The biggest shift I think that we're seeing now with technology is, um, natural language processing. So live transcription close to live translation, um, and, uh, and the audio and video editing co- things that you can have, uh, with it because everybody's online. I'm noticing all these new features with Zoom and Google Meet and because there's competition and everybody wants to. So, so I actually think. Um, uh, now is like a really great time for accessibility, um, like instant transcription of your sermons with, or, or as you're doing any sort of teaching or small group, you can now Google meet will auto transcribe it. So if you have somebody who is hearing impaired, they could be easily, you don't need to have sign language. It's actually, you just, they hit the closed captioning and boom, they can be there. So there's like this, that, that's a huge thing. Um, typically the deaf community. I haven't done research on this. This is hearsay, but I I think it's right. It feels right that um, the deaf community is is actually a very large unreached people group because of how word-based ministry is, Ah. how spoken word. Um, So there's like a beautiful ministry opportunity there, but it's also great for content creation um, to be able to record things like this podcast, have them transcribed, edit them, um, do a word cloud, see like what, what themes popped up, uh, highlight things, put it on social. So I'm really big into um, that. I think those tools are really helpful and they're, they're very cost effective, especially now because you can use AI. Um, so that's, I, I don't know if you're into, I'm sure people are in zoom meetings, your zoom meetings could be podcasts or content There could be things that you could use and you can use robots to do it. Isn't that great for cheap or free? That's my main, (laughs) that's my new like thing that I, and I used it. uh, I've been using it a lot um, for, for content creation. So there's a site called rev.com that does really great transcription and translation uh, for it's fairly cost effective. Uh, There's a service called descript, Um, and I'm sure you, we can link to a document or with, with these links, but, uh, it's a service where you can take the transcript and put it on your audio file or your video file. The program syncs it and you can edit your, your transcript right there and you've edited the audio or video. So it's just, it, it makes editing super fast. It can go, you can actually, this is, this is, this is the time we live in. You can actually, it learns your voice and you can start typing and make me say things Zachary. You could do that. If you use Descript, they have a new feature that does that, where you could put words in my mouth if you wanted to. Oh, we needed Tim to say that one thing. Well, you can type it now with Descript and do it. Oh
1: so my goodness!
0: That's I know, I know. That's my main thing. But also, there's a lot of cheap and free stuff out there that like helps you automate things, save time, do things more effectively. Um, so uh, I can I can share those tools with with that same link.
1: Yeah, if if you have a a file or PDF or Whatever that we can link to in the show notes, that would be fantastic. Yep, we'll do it. All right, cool. Well, Tim, thank you so much. This has been awesome. I think that this is going to provide a ton of value for ministry leaders and church leaders. And uh, I just really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, Can I uh, pray for you and, and what you're doing with your consultancy stuff?
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks.
1: Father I just lift up Tim I thank you so much for his heart his willingness to serve you and and be obedient to your call I pray that you would uh, guide and lead him as he consults ministries and nonprofits mm. and uh, leads in this digital space father there's clearly opportunity um to make disciples and you're obviously mm. working in that space father uh where where people's attention already is and so um I pray that uh, you would bless him as he leads ministries in this and um, I pray that we would just be attentive to your ear. This whole move towards digital just feels weird. It, it feels, uh, uncomfortable. I know for a lot of uh, myself and a lot of ministry leaders. And so I just pray mm-hmm. that you would, um, give clarity and guidance as, as we figure all these things out. And as Tim said in the beginning, no one's experts. And so we just mm-hmm. cling to your guidance and, and direction because you are an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, we love you so much. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing, how you're moving, how you're flexing, and um, pray that you would use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Tim, how can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more, ask you questions, get more insights and expertise from Tim Cox?
0: Timcox at gmail.com. Just let's go. Email old school.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, Tim, again, thanks so much for being on the show. We really appreciate it, and uh, we wish you the best.
0: Thanks a lot, Zachary. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, We would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.